Hey guys, it's Elise here. So our episode this week is actually the recording from the first ever Ottawa Podcast Festival. We had planned to hold on to it and release it in a couple of weeks, but then work and life got busy for both Andy and I. It was a weird thing. We just could not get together to record. So luckily we had this in the can and are very happy to share it with you. Uh, in all in all, the festival went really, really well, and we're going to fill you in on that next week uh, when we do have a chance to sit down and record. And technically, this is our one-year anniversary episode. We came out on September 3rd last year for the first time. So uh, we'll talk more about our full year of podcasting next week's episode as well. Uh, after our stories, stay tuned, because if you'll remember, Algonquin College Radio here in Ottawa was playing our show on the air, uh, but Andy and I are foul mouth, um, borderline sailor slash construction workers, and so they had to do a lot of cutting of a lot of swear words for us as much as we tried to limit it. And Robin, the amazing producer over at Algonquin, put together a super cut of all those swears that they had to take out to be airworthy, so it's like two and a half minutes of just... Just Andy and I saying shit a lot. Uh, on that note, gloves are off. We can now swear again. So be ready for that next week. So on with the show, um, you'll hear JP from Pop-Up Podcasting introducing us. And if you're looking to get into podcasting, you should definitely check out his business because he is thebomb.com and he can certainly help you get running as a professional podcast which reminds me I should probably set up an appointment with him to talk about rabbit holes. Uh, so we hope you enjoy. Stick around after for that amazing supercut that we have for you. And we will be back with you live next week. Have a great one, guys. So now we have uh, Elise and Andy from Rabbit Holes Podcast. You probably recognize them. They've been doing some announcements. They also uh, are the founders of this podcast festival. They've been doing a great job organizing this whole time. Um, and uh, these two hetero life mates have a podcast where they tell stories about the topics that fascinate them this week and cause them to spend way too much time reading articles and digging through wikis for all the details. Welcome, Elise and Andy. Let's see where the white rabbit leads us tonight. And welcome to this episode of Rabbit Holes Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Elise. And I'm your other host, Andy. And uh, we are fucked following that act. I know. <laughs> I am not that funny. We are not that funny. Mm -mm. So sorry. Um, also sorry to like Elgin Street because that was broadcast <laughs> onto the street. I know. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Although I bet there's going to be people go Googling Christian porn sites now. I hope so. I hope we are responsible for driving traffic that way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, this is great because I can't see anyone, so yeah. it's just like we're recording in my walk-in closet at home, which, low pressure. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, so, uh, we would just like to introduce you to our producer, Wellington, there on the left, the derpiest looking one, and Maggie, our, um, no, Wellington is the PA. I'm going to pay for that when I get home. <laughs> you are. And Maggie is our producer. So they are usually judging us. They ha they're cooler than we are, so they had other commitments for this evening. But just... Actually, they usually just bail into the basement as soon as I come in through the door. They do. They do. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to tell you why, but they do. I know. <laughs> uh, so we're going to uh, dive right in uh, to our stories. And Andy went first on our last episode, so I'm going to go first this week. And since we're at a festival, I wanted to look into some, shall we say, interesting festivals that are out there as well. So in our July episode for our Canada Day, I talked about a couple of uh, wild festivals that are happening in Canada. Uh, so this might sound or look familiar to you. The first is the World Championship bathtub races in Nanaimo, where people literally just put like an old school bathtub into a speedboat and go to town. <laughs> and then we also have the Pumpkin Parade and Regatta in Windsor, Nova Scotia. So um, if you happen to find yourself on either coast, uh, please do check out these festivals because I think the people involved are going to be wacky. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. 
Uh, but let's take a wider look at some head-scratching festivals that are out there because there is something for everyone, obviously. Uh, I've wanted to do this topic for ages as its own rabbit hole, like specifically this festival, but the ladies of Dude That's Fucked Up covered it, and I don't like retreading where other people go. Um, but I've always been fascinated slash terrified of the gathering of the Juggalos. Uh, any insane Cloud Posse fans in the room? Anyone? Okay, good to know. Heard no, heard no. <laughs> uh, every summer since 2000, ICP fans have been coming together for a festival that's billed as a family reunion for fans uh, from their website, which that was an interesting time at lunch at work. <laughs> IT might have some questions. <laughs> I am not prepared to answer. Uh, so this is from their website. The festival is highly regarded as the craziest show on earth. Uh, it also happens to be the largest family reunion to ever happen. All caps screams yours, exploration points. Um, so if you're not familiar, the name Juggalo or Juggalette for the ladies, they don't discriminate, comes from the ICP song, The Juggler which became a term of endearment for fans after Violent J used it on stage years ago. Um, I don't know who Violent J, like, I, I don't know about you, I could not pick out an ICP song to save my life. Got I, to my head. I can, so. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm not a fan, but I do know who you're talking about. Oh, okay, okay. Way more than you do. <laughs> So one publication described the fan base as primarily white males from working class backgrounds who usually feel misunderstood and excluded from mainstream culture for their looks, social situations, or taste in music. But at the gathering, it's, quote, a world where man boobs are on proud display, where long hairs and pink hairs mingle, where nobody makes fun of the fat kid toweling off. Which I, like, read that and, like, teared up a little bit. Like, aw, maybe they aren't as scary as I thought. They're not really scary, it's just Andy, that face paint's <laughs> coming at me. I'm scared. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, so this year's festival happened July 31st to August 3rd in Springfield. Uh, sorry, Springville, Indiana. And this is the the picture from their the the, the banner headline on their website. Wow. Uh, headliners include ICP, duh, uh, Bone Thugs and Harmony, and Butcher Babies. I know none of their music, as you can attest to, if it was put out after 1977, I'm lost. Um, other notable headliners, Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> and legit, he's like in this picture and I, I caught it at work and I was like, am I having a stroke? Is this it? Is this the end? Uh, but no, I saw it and I scrolled down. I'm like, no, Gilbert Gottfried is one of the headliners listed. This is weird. Uh, also included Morris Day in the Time. <laughs> Oi. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so literally something for everyone, apparently. Uh, for all the jokes, though, the festival does seem to have a really big heart. This year, there was a special benefit show to, quote, help a juggalo homie in need. Uh, and this, yes, is the Axylum Benefit Show. So brought to you by a group of ninjas known as the Juggernauti, featuring a plethora of dope underground artists and a raffle and donation center supporting cancer treatment for our juggalo brothers, Axylum. You know your healthcare system is fucked up when the juggalos do a better job of it than the government. Uh, we saw Taste of Chaos, my husband, well, before he was my husband, uh, and they were one of the bands, um, Bleed the Dream, were, was doing a, like, if everybody that we see during the tour gives, like, a dollar, we'd actually be able to afford to give our drummer a bone marrow transplant. Aww. That's what they were fundraising for, and the drummer did get the bone marrow transplant. He finished the album, but sadly passed away but um i can't imagine what drumming on a metalish album would sound like if you had uh cancer but right. uh because that's a whole lot of headaches but yeah true <laughs> but uh, yeah so i can i can yeah it's it's very uh it's very uh, american <laughs> to be like yes we're gonna yes. pitch in and help Do out for with, our homies yeah <laughs> uh so you may remember a couple years ago the um Juggalos are in the news because Washington tried to have them declared a, quote, loose, loosely organized hybrid gang. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then though they may look a little scary, as I said, uh, there have only ever been two violent incidences attributed to the Juggalos. So in 2016, one pair of fans got together to honor a dead Juggalo by having the man of the pair use a machete to cut off the woman's pinky and drink her blood. 
Oh dear. Which I mean, consenting adults, like whatever floats your boat, right? <laughs> no Poor judgment. life decision. Yeah, but no judgment. Uh, oh, there's judgment. <laughs> And then a little bit earlier, uh, in 2014, two men tried to forcibly tattoo their roommate's arm for allegedly disrespecting juggalos in general. So hit up Kijiji and find yourself new roommates, because that is not a good scene. <laughs> so for all of that, that's what the, the quote-unquote man in Washington decided made them a gang and tried to have them put on the gang watch list. Yeah. It was yeah, it was a whole thing. They like had like a march on Washington for free speech. The ACLU like pitched in to like defend them. Like I never thought I'd be on the side of the juggalos, but there we were. <laughs> it was weird. Uh, so am I gonna load up on a case of Fago, risk a lawsuit from KISS for copyright infringement and head to the American South for their next event? No, but I'm less creeped out now knowing that they are uh, actually pretty good at heart and you gotta scratch below the surface to find them, like they're their true goodness. Uh, but further proof to how weird our show is, is my sources for this little story it came from the Juggalo website and NPR. <laughs> We're all over the place, <laughs> it's nuts. Uh, speaking of unique looks, if you find yourself out in the Yukon during the winter, you should consider entering the Takini Hot Pools International Hair Freezing Contest. Oh dear. Yes, there are pictures. <laughs> so it's not exactly a festival as it happens throughout the entire season, but it is loosely tied to the sourdough rendezvous that happens in February, uh, with the winning pictures being selected in mid to late March, because they want to make sure everyone has a chance to enter. Temperatures have to be below 20 for this to work, and anyone who has like gone swimming in Canada in the winter and didn't dry their hair before leaving knows that this is like really possible really fast. So, uh, the Hot Springs websites provide the following instructions to interested participants. So, the first step is you dip your head in the hot spring to wet your hair. You take your head out of the water and allow the cool air to slowly freeze your hair. All wet hair will eventually freeze. This includes eyebrows and even your eyelashes. So if you have very long hair, a good method to freeze it is to lay it down on the side of the pool so that it freezes in a single long sheet, which sounds really uncomfortable to me. <laughs> yeah. Hold on. <laughs> it's like 80% of me is nice and toasty warm. The rest of it is not good. Uh, later, you can prop it up with sticks and other items to get a good look to be considered part of the, the contest. Uh, they do advise that you keep your ears warm by periodically dipping each ear into the hot spring uh, and careful not to let your hair touch the water. If that can't be done, then tough. <laughs> the hot springs have no pity for you. <laughs> uh, the next step is wait. The following step is wait some more. And then the next step is when the hair begins to freeze, slowly mold the hair into the desired shape. Let it freeze completely. It will become pure white with frost and ice and don't worry, your hair won't break or snap off but it makes this really cool crunching sound when it gets frozen like that. It's, it's awesome. Uh, then you take your, your picture and you submit it, and as soon as you dunk your head in the water, your hair instantly freezes, or your hair instantly unfreezes, and your head will be nice and warm again. So, uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, more pictures. <laughs> I mean, these people just went to town. I, it's Pride weekend, so that's why the bear is included, but also like the, the, the Whoville, Cindy Lou? There it is. <laughs> so there are four winning photos every year, and the categories for the winners are male, female, group, which is two or more people, and most creative, and each winner gets $750 and a 30-minute soak for all those who are involved in the photo. Huh. So if you happen to be the Yukon, please check out this Woo! festival. Yeah. <laughs> um, Let's see, I have uh, no transition here to my next weird festival, just some awesome pictures to show. That didn't, oh, you, okay, <laughs> like that. <laughs> I would have figured I'd lost you. So, uh, wanna guess what's happening here? Why is there sumos and babies? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the Konaki Crying Sumo, or Nakazumo, which is known as the Sumo of Tears Festival. So it's at least 400 years old and is always well attended. From the Sugar Shack blog, there's this description. Dozens upon dozens of mothers line up, infants in arms, to stage, uh, sorry, to enter this crazy competition. Two sumo wrestlers, each holding an infant, face off on stage in front of hundreds of onlookers to see whose baby cries first. <laughs> 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 
A Japanese priest oversees the whole thing. Um, they preside over this contest and assists, air quotes, by screaming, waving at, and generally trying to scare the crap out of the babies. Whichever baby begins wailing first wins. If both start crying at the same time, they have to duke it out to see who cries the loudest to determine the winner. What the sweet Jesus. I mean... (laughs) Mothers. Mothers. (laughs) Legit roll up with their kids in arms to be part of this. So... Why is probably what everyone is asking, right? Um, there is a Japanese proverb that says, quote, crying babies grow fast, and the louder that they cry, the more they are blessed with good health. So the idea is get your babies to cry and they'll have good luck. These festivals happen at temples that are overseen by legit priests and some really famous ones, and uh, it really gives the family a chance to pray for your baby as a get together. Uh, but it also means you get awesome pictures like this one. <laughs> I don't know who looks more upset, but I love it. (laughs) So, the uh, quickest way to make me cry as a kid, uh, tell me I'd have to eat radishes at Christmas. And uh, why that ham-fisted segue? Well, it's because I had to tell you about my new festival, and I had no clue how to make these two (laughs) things link. Uh, But the next festival to talk about is Noche de los Rabanos, or Night of the Radishes. So this Oaxacan festival happens every year on December 23rd, and participants carve radishes into intricate scenes to compete for prizes. For example, quite a, quite a lot of work went into that one. So uh, the event began when the Spanish imported radishes into the region. Uh, Oaxaca has a long tradition, or had a long tradition at that time of carving as an art form, so farmers would carve them into figurines to draw the attention of shoppers at market stalls. In 1897, so 200 plus years, uh, the city created a formal competition and now has land and staff dedicated to both growing and distributing the radishes used in the event. Can you imagine, like, what's the job description on monster.com for that, or ZipRecruiter? And like, what do you put on your resume for that? (laughs) I grew radishes. (laughs) I tended municipal land. Uh, The festival is a huge draw. It attracts thousands of visitors who wait for hours in line to see the most completely complex masterpieces, which only have a shelf life of four to five hours because radishes start to wilt very quickly. Yeah, they're not exactly using the world's best medium for this. No, right? There's, uh, There's this whole, like, they were planting radishes 200 years ago and they forgot them in the field and they went out to get them around December and made a whole, like, thing out of it because they were so, I don't know. local lore, I guess. There's better carving vegetable out there than radish. Yes, but two priests didn't find other vegetables in the field. (laughs) Um, So, just a couple more pictures of some of the crazier ones. I mean, that is very, very impressive. For like four to five hours? Yeah. Life's like that turkey, probably. Yeah. How long did that take? I don't know, but you got to have like a lot of people helping out on yeah. that. <laughs> and that dragon, too, is pretty impressive. Um, so I want to close out. Oh. I want to know what you put on your resume when you're the radish carver. <laughs> the quickest <Artiste>. carver. <laughs> I went to Radish University. <laughs> I don't I know. Um, so I want to close out my part of the story, the show, uh, with a lightning round of weird festivals from the UK. Uh, a couple of centuries of geopolitical supremacy will do some things to some person. So clearly, as we're about to see as we look at these festivals. Uh, so first up, the World Bog Snorkeling Championship. <laughs> it's in Wales. I have the name of the place in Wales, but I can't pronounce it because there's not enough vowels in it. <laughs> yeah, so, that's, that's some Welsh right there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the 34th annual event is being held on Sunday, the 25th of August. So tomorrow, you still have time to get there. If you want to head out from here down to the airport, you can probably find your way there. It draws participants and fans from around the world to watch as racers snorkel through a 120-meter course in a bog. As as growing up uh, in Newfoundland, where we have a lot of bogs, (laughs) um, why? A few centuries of geopolitical supremacy really messes with a person's mind. So, we used to have this dog, Pepper, my my dad's dog, and this thing uh, was a bit of a Houdini. It would just escape 
or break its chain or whatever, we'd always be trying to find this bloody dog. You can still see uh, essence of its lineage in our local <laughs> dog population. It was the only blue belt setter around. Uh, but it would constantly, because our, our land backed on a big piece of bog, constantly be getting stuck. So then my dad would have to go out and try to get this dog untangled from a piece of wood. They'd both come back. They'd be like just up to their waist in mud. I don't see how any of this <laughs> No is, appeal. No appeal. No appeal. Well, clearly there is because the current world champion and record holder is Neil Rudder, who clocked a time of 1 minute 18.82 seconds in the 2018 championship, breaking the previous world record of 1 minute 22.56 seconds set in 2014 by Christy Johnson. So these people are serious about their bog swimming. Way too much time on their hands. That too, yeah. Uh, moving on, uh, back in 1976, a bunch of guys in a pub started complaining that England didn't produce any star athletes. <laughs> they put their heads together and decided that toe wrestling was something oh. that they could excel at. I hate toe. Well, you're not going to want to look at this picture then, my friend. <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Oh. I warned you. Like, you think I was joking? Yes. <laughs> Uh, this sport has been submitted to the International Olympic Committee for several attempts at getting into the competition. Uh, no luck as of yet. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> Toes crossed. Thank you. <laughs> oh, this is horrible. <laughs> so the sports superhero uh, is a bloke named Alan Nasty Nash, and that's who's up on the screen here. Uh, he looks like an old-timey strongman and has huge toes. His origin, sport, er, his origin story in the sport is quite epic. He won the championship his first year competing in 1994. And in 1997, he broke four toes in the semifinal and still won the championship that year. I stub my toe and I'm out for the day. Like, that's it. Done. Do not ask anything of me. This dude broke four toes and still won. Uh, from the Mental Floss article that, again, IT is going to have some serious questions about at work <laughs> that I was reading. Uh, quote, toe wrestling is a competition between two participants with their bare feet in a square ring. Opponents sit on the floor, lock their big toes, and then battle in an arm wrestle style to wrangle the other's foot to the sideboard of the designated wrestling area. I'm so grossed <laughs> It's a best of three competition that typically lasts one hour, and fear not, toe hygiene is a priority. Nurses inspect all toes for fungus and hidden weapons prior to the competition. <laughs> yes, I'm assuming this will be the sequel to the Sylvester Stallone masterpiece Over the Top that we've all been waiting for. Yes. Dan can testify I hate feet so much that he wasn't allowed to wear flip-flops for a long time. Oh, I've been at spas getting pedicures with you. You make yeah. a big deal out I of do. it. <laughs> <laughs> so, lastly, we have Cooper Hill's Cheese Rolling. And this is one wild ride. No one is quite sure where or how it started, but chasing cheese is apparently a long-standing tradition in England. Uh, the word centuries got used quite a few times in the articles I was looking at, and probably had its start with a pagan rite of spring. At Cooper's Hill, which is the most famous, a wheel of double Gloucester is used, and as it matures, double Gloucester gets really hard. In fact, buyers used to test its readiness, I guess that's what you would call it, by jumping on it in stores to see how hard it was. So if it wasn't hard enough, you went through, you were just like, oh, I'm not squish. buying it. Like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> it's like, that's a you problem, not a me problem at this point. Uh, uh, okay. The density of the double Gloucester allows the wheel of cheese to attain speeds of, buckle up, 115 kilometers as it rockets down the hill. Good Lord. Yeah. Um, Probably is no surprise going by this picture. I'm sure you can appreciate it. it's a dangerous air quote sport, uh, which is why it officially ended in 2010 for safety concerns. However, centuries of geopolitical supremacy means you don't follow the rules and fans still show up each year to compete. And you'll all be very happy to hear that this year's winner was 21 year old Mark Kitt from Toronto. Woo! <laughs> 
after the race, our national hero said, quote, I didn't know what was going on. I took the first 10 steps and I just started sliding. And the next thing I knew, I was at the bottom and nobody beat me. And now we're going to the pub. <laughs> so that is a truly Canadian. Yeah, it fits right in. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so his for his skills in falling down a hill faster than anyone else, Mark got to keep the cheese. Mm, yes. <laughs> and that was my whirlwind tour through odd festivals that happen around the world. <laughs> wow. Yes. <laughs> but why don't you tell me a story now? Oh, yay. Well, mine isn't quite that funny. Mine is conspiracy theories. <laughs> so before I uh, start my story, and thankfully I'm going last because she's going to kill me. Uh, what? I want to thank her for all of her work for putting this festival together because this was like 99.9% least, and she is dying right now. Yes, my bedtime was about an hour ago. That is true. <laughs> so we appreciate Thank you. Uh, so now my rabbit hole is conspiracy theories, which I have discovered I really like. Uh, yep. getting sucked into, and we have covered a bunch. Yes. Uh, we have covered, and I'm pretty sure I'm missing some, the moon landing, flat earth, Illuminati, anti-vaxxers, and a few around the Vatican, and I'm pretty sure mm -hmm. there's one other that I'm forgetting. I, I've got more on my phone list, too, yeah. so we'll get to them. Uh, but that's just scratching the surface. Uh, so before we get into uh, the crazy, let's break down the term. Thanks to Merriam-Webster, we know that conspiracy theory means a theory that explains an event or set of circumstances that are a result of a secret plot by usually powerful conspirators. That's wonderfully vague. Or my cats. Yeah, that is true. Terrifying. <laughs> They're going to eat your face. They will. Especially after Maggie finds out that you called Welly the producer. All right. Um, so and I tend to think of this as sort of like a concept as a modern problem, but according to Webster's, the term was first used in 1871, so oh. it's not that new. And even the concept, it was even older. So the U.S. was less than 10 years old when the New England religious leaders sounded the alarm about the Illuminati's plan to destroy the Republic. Uh, wasn't it George Washington, too? Like, wait, who did you say, New Englanders? Yeah, New Englander, New England religious leaders. Oh, okay. So they're a fun bunch. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they were all about the jokes. <laughs> In 1831, an anti-Masonic party held its first national political convention. Not shockingly, speeches uh, were full of conspiratorial rhetoric around Freemasonry. Ha <laughs> ha. However, by the end of the World War, conspiracy theories were beginning to have more staying power. And as we know, the Freemasons still is a big conspiracy theory and people still blame them for everything, as well as the Illuminati. I was legit behind a guy on the highway driving home the other day and he had like a Freemason bumper sticker. And I was just like, bold choice, like really bold. So I appreciate the, the putting your neck out there because a lot of people do not like them. Yeah, I, I mean, other than the fact that they have one weird-ass logo. <laughs> uh, however, so I said by the end of the First World War, they were starting to have a bit more staying power with the lasting menace of the Bolkishly socialism communism contributed to many theories. And at that same time, the idea of the international Jew gave rise to a series of anti-Semitic conspiracy theories that as we see this week, still are ticking around. Yeah, yeah. not fun times. Not fun times. Mm -mm. But again, these started around the end of World War One, and yet we're still hearing about them. Mm -hmm. So enough of the history lesson, although I know that there's a lot of history nerds in this crowd. There is, yeah. <laughs> I went to school with one. <laughs> <laughs> but is it just me, or does it seem lately that there's a real strong uptake in the crazy and like the level of crazy, the number of theories, and the number of people who are willing to publicly announce that they believe in this bullshit. Yeah, I think we all know why. There's an angry orange Cheeto that keeps talking about them. <laughs> so uh, there was this great article I was reading on LitHub uh, by Thomas um, Conda, and I think he sums it up best. So he was saying that there have been conspiracy theories all along, but there's also something new that has transformed the conspiratorial landscape, conspiracism. 
a mental framework, a belief system, a worldview that leads people to look for conspiracies, to anticipate them, to link them together in a grander, overarching conspiracy. Conspiratorism is has been building for some time, but now seems to have appeared to have been the beliefs, emerging belief system of the 21st century. So you have a problem with that. You make anything an ism, and you're supposed to have some sort of like sense of respect for it. This is just like Aunt Barb on Facebook sharing Uncle Ray's crazy like 300 meme deep posts. Like this doesn't deserve an ism. It deserves like a two by four to the back of a head, like at a family reunion. That's all it needs. So the believers of this range from people who are beside themselves with conspiratorial rage, such as Alex Jones. Yep. Uh, to everyday people who are reluctant to have their children immunized because they accept vaguely conspiratist claims against vaccines. Because I go to the Playboy Bunnies for all of my medical advice. <laughs> so while many analysts believe that social media has accelerated these conspiratorial growths, the reason for its prominence is still somewhat out for debate. Although I think social media has really played a big hand in this bullshit. Mm -hmm. Um, so conspirators have a predilection to see uh, conspiracies behind every event, not just the big ones, such as 9-11, JFK assassinations, and they are continuously finding conspiracies where others do not. For example, contrails of planes ha have crisscrossed the skies for decades without anyone batting an eye, and that's before conspiracies began to claim that they were really chemtrails. Oops. Oh, oh, we've gone back. Uh, I've overshot the runway on that one. <laughs> Uh, that are filled with pathogens, chemicals, and fungi put there for the government by the government to poison and stupefy the citizenry. Citizenry. Well, it doesn't help when like the Kardashians retweet that. Seriously, like one of the younger ones retweeted, like, "Oh no, look at all these chemtrails are up in the sky of L.A." It's like, oh come on, like the youth already have enough problems on their hand; they don't need this too. <laughs> so, on the scale of dumb theories, uh, this next one is about a nine point five. Did you know that in 1974, when barcodes came out, religious conspiracy people warned that those black lines on every product you buy signal st satanic conspiracies? Mm-hmm. Yep. Mark of the Beast. Yeah. Barcodes were coming for your soul. Yep. That's like my favorite one now. <laughs> no, the best thing is I was reading like a list of like confessions from tattooers on like BuzzFeed or something like that. And he was like, every time I'm asked for a barcode, I find the dumbest product I possibly can. <laughs> and if they don't specify what the barcode they want, that's what they're getting. So they'll like scan themselves at like the self-check at Walmart and it'll be like mega packs of Trojans or something like that. <laughs> like tampons, everybody gets yeah. tampons. <laughs> so I know that sounds bonkers, uh, but how is that any more bonkers than not getting vaccinated? Like, we know vaccines don't cause autism, just like we know that Satan doesn't care if you buy flour. True. Yeah. Although, I hear he's going gluten-free, and that's why there's so much of the gluten-freeness happening out in the world. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully in 20 years from now, we'll be talking about conspiratorism in the same way as the moral panics of the 80s, mm -hmm. a blip in society that something that's always been around, but this specific time and place provided a breeding ground for an explosion in poor decision making. So this next one, which I already skipped ahead to my slide, uh, falls under that subheading of so dumb. How is this a thing? Uh -huh. Uh, but there's a theory that claims that the Coca-Cola company intentionally changed to an inferior formula for a new Coke mm -hmm. with the intention of either driving up demand for the original product or permitting the reintroduction of the original with new formula using cheaper ingredients. I mean, either option is genius. <laughs> Coca-Cola's president had to actually come out and rebut these charges by saying, the truth is, we're not that dumb, nor are we that smart. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I found a new uh, like Tinder line for myself. <laughs> that's for sure. There you go. Um, ah, so where did I lose my space? So along the veins of not that smart, there's lots of conspiracy theories that allege Israel uses animals to conduct espionage or attack people. These are often associated with conspiracy theories around uh, Zionism. Uh, many of these interesting, many, many, blah, blah, blah. 
Matters of interest to theorists include the series of shark attacks in Egypt in 2010, Hezbollah's accusations of the use of spying eagles, sounds really stupid, but actually was made less so in 2011 when a griffin vulture carrying an Israeli-labeled satellite tracking device was captured. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> Which, by the way, that's that vulture. <laughs> that's the one that they captured. Yikers. Somebody got in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Um, so I'm not going to touch on theories around 9-11 or Sandy Hook because they make me way too mad. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's look at the granddaddy of all theories, the JFK assassinations. Mm. Assassination. Ooh. Well, it could be two. It could be multiple. We don't know. That is true. Yeah. What's Oliver Stone saying about that? <laughs> uh, this is an endearing theory that has penetrated the mainstream culture. Think of the nerds from um, X-Files. They were the um, third gunman on the grassy knoll. That was their sort of... Shots fired. Uh, Nerds of X-Files. The nerdy guys on the X-Files. We all know who I'm talking about. I'm a Doctor Who fan. I know my nerds, all right? (laughs) Um, So... The assassination of JFK was one of those watershed moments. Something that if you were alive at the time, you remember where you were when you heard. What made it so popular for conspiracy theories? Well, it was a public murder of a high-profile, almost mythic person. Lots of media cover- coverage. The suspected murderer was himself murdered on, his, on the way to his arraignment. A number of botched investigations made it the perfect storm. It was such a shit show that even the average person believed something was not as it seemed. All right. I mean, yeah. It, it was a bonkers time, so I, I believe that. Bonkers. Yeah. So, they, like, I'm even not even scratching the surface. There are so many conspiracy theories that mm-hmm. just offshoot from this. Yep. So, conspiracy theories consider uh, four or five groups alone or in com- uh, combination to be the primary suspects in the assassination of Kennedy. The CIA. Hold on. Let's take a big deep breath because there's a lot here. <laughs> the CIA, the military industrial complex, organized crime, the government of Cuba, Cuban exiles, Lyndon Johnson, W.H. Bush, J. Edgar Hoover, Aaron, Errol Warren, the FBI, the Secret Service, the John Birch Society, the far right wealthy Texans. And this was started by a news outlet the day after his death. Nice. And let's not forget the foreign conspirators, including Fidel Castro, the KGB, Aristotle Onassis, which I thought was a very interesting. Ooh, I've never heard this wrinkle, but I like it. Yep. Uh, the government of South Vietnam and international drug lords, including a French heroin syndicate. Ah, so, well, wow. We went international with that last one. <laughs> So just a few people might have killed him. Right. Um, some of these ideas got their legs during the during and um, and blah, blah, during the and the aftermath of the Warren Commission. The Warren Commission was uh, set up by President Lyndon Johnson to investigate the assassination. The commission released an 888-page report. Yikes. So they submitted this to the president, and then three days later, he released it to the public. So I'm sorry. I don't think he read all 888 pages in three days. Like, 888 pages of letter-sized paper. Uh, The Senate had, like, two weeks to read the 200-page Mueller report, and I don't think any of them did that. Exactly. So... Uh, In that report, they concluded that President Kennedy was assassinated by Lee Harvey Oswald, that Oswald acted entirely alone, and that it also concluded that Jack Ruby, who killed Lee Harvey Oswald, acted alone when he kills him two days later. And the commission's findings were both controversial, and they have both been challenged and proven correct a bunch of times. Hmm. So they've been debunked, and then those debunks have been debunked. Rebunked? Rebunked, I don't know. (laughs) But it's just this cycle. Yeah. (laughs) But the whole thing is just a mess. So allegations of mysterious or suspicious deaths of witnesses connected to the uh, Kennedy assassinations or um, originated with Penn Jones Jr. and were brought to national attention by, um, by a bunch of books 
So this one guy, Jim Mars, later presented a list of 103 people he believed to have died convenient deaths under suspicious circumstances. Hmm. All 103 people, he said, were linked to the assassination cover-up. Like, I don't know, but I don't think anybody is that dedicated to keeping a cover-up where they're going to kill 103 more people. Well, I'm sorry. If I were trying to cover something up, like, I might trust you. Maybe. Maybe. 102 other people? Not at all. I know. This seems a little bit. <laughs> There's a stretch happening there. I know. Uh, so why was he killed? Is Most reasons revolve around... Uh, the Cold War, plots to kill Castro, and my personal favorite, a Game of Thrones-style bid for the presidency. <laughs> I love it. It's Between, so I know, isn't it? Because Lyndon Johnson really wanted to be president, I guess. Yeah, and he did so well. <laughs> he did not. Um, also, there were some, like, you know, George Bush's in there. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of, like, ooh, someone wanted to be president other than JFK. Mm. Uh, but let's face it. Some asshole did not like his politics, so they killed him. Mm. Yep. Um, And I mean, I could talk about this for ages, because not only do you have the 30-something specific theories around his death, like each of these people that I listed that could potentially have killed him, they have at least two or three theories around them. Okay. So apparently the CIA covered up. They were... um, Lots of people have said that Lee Harvey Oswald was part of their agency, and he was an undercover agent for them in some sort of plot to kill Castro, and that the CIA actually intentionally um, botched the Warren Commission. Andy, I think I live a very Pollyanna life, because I cannot see that in this, like, what is wrong with me? question mark i couldn't even come up with this stuff i know uh the secret service there that one wasn't as funny well it was funny because it was just more a cover-up on how badly they did their job well facts (laughs) i mean let's face it there's some truth in there yeah that's not really a conspiracy theory uh and actually the far right uh, wealthy texans so the far right um wealthy dallas um texans the day after his death, there was actually a lot of coverage on that on the news. That oh. They thought that uh, there was a f- Har- uh, Lee Harvey Oswald was an actual assassin hired by wealthy. Nothing like jumping to conclusions. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, there's some. Uh-huh. So people have been believing this for years and decades. And let's not. Um, and then there's a bunch of spin-offs around the death of Marilyn Monroe. Did you know Marilyn Monroe was killed because she was having an affair with Kennedy and knew all about his assassination? I thought Kennedy was killed because he was having an affair with Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> <laughs> I've legit heard that before. <laughs> that would not surprise me. Yeah. I mean, in all fairness, she was beautiful. Well, yeah. And he didn't exactly have like really exacting standards. Like if it moved, he'd <laughs> he nail it. Let's be honest. <laughs> But there was a report released recently and how he was actually really, really ill. Syphilis? No, like, <laughs> he had, like, so many illnesses and he was on so much medication when he was president. Like, we oh. have all this... When you think of Kennedy in your head, you think of this, like, young, virile, Camelot-esque type yeah. picture, but actually he was really, really ill. It was also the 60s. Dr. Feelgood's running all over the place. Like, that was the age to be alive. Like... <laughs> He was, like, you should read it. He was on a remarkable amount of drugs. Mm. And drugs now that were like, mm, really? <laughs> there was a lot. Like, he was on, like, a really high dosage of steroids and everything Ugh. because of, like, a bunch of And I'm like, I've been on those drugs. Those are not fun. All of a sudden, the speech pattern's making a lot more sense. Mm. <laughs> um, so, and they kept that covered up because you can't be a president and be sick. Right. Right? Um, uh, West Wing. Oh, I was thinking of, um, Eric, help me out, the guy in the wheelchair. The polio. Oh, uh, Roosevelt. There you go. Nobody knew about that until like after he was dead. Thank you, history nerd in the crowd. <laughs> so the spinoffs around Bobby Kennedy's assassination, mm-hmm. the Kennedy curse. 
Right. Let's not forget that one. There was another girl just died in the Kenny Buckport uh, compound this yeah, summer. As much as like it's this big name family, there's a lot of like. Well, they have a lot of money and that is true. Little, and there's a lot of them. Yes, a lot of them and very little like like public center about what they do. That's true. So. Um, Wow, I really spot, lost. Yeah, <laughs> this is what we cut out at home. Yeah, this is this is you're seeing the magic happen in real time. This here. and the trains. <laughs> uh, so that's a little bit of the JFK assassination conspiracy theories, which they're still like. No, this that question. Recent? I, I actually think this. Yeah, this looks about recent. E. There are more important questions to be asking right now. <laughs> Who killed JFK should not be one of the things we're still worried about. So to quote the X-Files, the truth is out there, but let's face it, the truth is often the simplest. JFK was killed because a asshole did not like his politics, as I said. Kurt Cobain probably killed himself. We are a society that creates our own boogeyman, not some sh- shadowy figures that are out to get us. Unless you are one of those shadowy figures, and this is just your way of putting us off the scent. That's what this is all about, isn't it? <laughs> Yes, Elise. I knew it. <laughs> I killed JFK. <laughs> I hopped in my time machine. I went back yeah. and said, you know what? Jackie's better off without you. <laughs> and this is how we're going to do it. I knew it. <laughs> She's got me out. Yeah. So. Um, wow, we were really quick. Yeah, we were. We have a little bit more time. Um, part of our... Um, show uh, like obviously is these rabbit holes um and we wanted to know from the crowd if there are any rabbit holes that you happen to fall down um because we have some door prizes so if we like your suggestion we will get a door prize and we will cover that rabbit hole for you on one of our next episodes so what do you spend your lunch hours at work making questionable decisions that it is going to want to talk to you about later (laughs) and we will not hold it against you Mm -mm. anyone Shout it out. Yeah. So I was searching out uh, privacy rights with cell phone companies. Uh-huh. And Rogers released this privacy report. And uh, they talked about tower dumps. Anybody heard of a tower dump before? I assume it's when they just pull all the data for one of the cell towers. and. Uh, so like, say there's a bank robbery in Ottawa. Um, they'll request from Rogers, the police, um, may we have all the data that goes through that tower from a specific time to a specific sketchy for privacy because they don't only target like that one person, they're uh, getting all the data. Right. And then, do you think they get rid of that data? Probably not. I wouldn't. Are you kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) I want that data. That'd be some questionable. I was just going to say, they're going to have a lot of questions for us later. <laughs> oh, my God. So bad. I Like we've said, like, if we ever get wrapped into, like, a legal case and they dump our text messages, I pity the poor legal <laughs> assistant that's going to have to scroll through that shit because it's bad. It's nonstop. It's non sequitur. It's unrelated. It's just, like, random. It's, like, two-thirds and- gifts. <laughs> that is true. It's two-thirds gifts. <laughs> And then, like, the screen captures of, like, our favorite train wreck Facebook friends. Oh, boy. (laughs) You would not believe what she said today. (laughs) We are really bad for that. We should probably talk to a professional about that. (laughs) That is true. We probably should. Actually, we should probably talk to a professional about a lot of stuff. True. Very true. That's just one of them. So we have cell dumps. That sounds like something right up your alley. Although I think the <laughs> Christian porn site is going to be right up there. <laughs> Not going to lie. Oh, boy. <laughs> so would you like a coffee mug or a notebook? Uh, a notebook? All right. Well, we've got a notebook with your name on it after the show. Come see me. Anyone else? Other rabbit holes? Anyone? Scream it out. I can't see you. I just okay. see one hand kind of moving. That's so terrifying to me. Why would anyone do that? So if you don't know, this whole like this new um, age yourself app uh, that came out and like all these people were like, oh, I want to see what I look like when I'm 40 as if looking at your parents isn't the exact same (laughs) thing. (laughs) So the whole thing, and I've heard like some people say it's Russians, other people say it's China, but basically they now have like two thirds of the world's 
facial images and in the era of biomarker like the yeah. the biomarkers for security like you've just given away your entire like privacy for the next well for the rest of your life so congratulations you now know what uh your bank accounts are going to look like in 40 years which is nothing <laughs> that's what my bank account looks like now so oh, true <laughs> Ooh, you want to steal my debt russia yeah it's all you. <laughs> we should actually be kinder because uh, in those text messages, we've talked a lot of shit about Putin. So. That is true. We have. <laughs> uh, yikes. <laughs> that man likes to be shirtless writing things way too often. That's what she said. <laughs> and on that note, hey, hey, like, let's be honest. Steve Carell does not own that. <laughs> so that is our show for tonight, for today. Yeah, right? <laughs> These lights are very warm. I know. <laughs> um, uh, I've completely blanked on what we do now. <laughs> oh, our website is www.rabbitholespodcast.com. While you're there, you can check out the merch tab to pick up some of our lovely, adorable merch to rep us out in the big bad world. Uh, we have a support tab where you can get a link to our Patreon page, and you can help us offset the cost of this hobby of ours. Uh, socials? Uh, we are on social media. We are on Twitter at Rabbit Holes Pod. Facebook, yes. Rabbit Holes Podcast page. Instagram, Rabbit Holes Podcast. Uh, I in, I curate two of them. Elise does the Twitter. Oh, yeah. Twitter's an evil place. Yeah. <laughs> I should eventually take that one over too, I suppose. So that's it for us tonight. Just one last thing to do is to remind you that if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs>